Hi, Francine. So I wasn't sure there. You weren't sure if I was coming? Well, I wasn't sure because we usually text each other. So I was like, hi, everyone. No, do you know what? I'm listening to Ian, Elon Musk, who is giving a TED Talk yes. in real time. Yes. In real time now. Yeah, he's in and, Vancouver right now, right? Yeah, and he's talking about, um, well, we... he's done talking about Twitter. He's now talking about what it was like to grow up. Hi, Guta. Hi, Ross. He is now talking about what it's like to grow up with Asperger's. Mm. And um, and he actually said he thinks it was a gift because he never got any social cues. Right. I'm sure you could tell that. He never got any out, the outside social cues that other people got. Yeah. He didn't get. And so he was undisturbed. And he said while it was tough when he was younger, because he didn't really understand how the world was going on around him, once he got old enough to program, he just programmed all night. Mm -hmm. And he became a very happy camper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so he's he's doing well. Guta, he said that that um, his purpose in buying Twitter would be uh, free speech within the bounds of the law, and that he would then he what he wanted was to open source the algorithm um, so that people could tell who was being promoted or demoted. Because he says, you know, now um, you can't really tell who the algorithm favors if it favors somebody or doesn't favor somebody. Anyway, we are not talking about Elon Musk today, or I guess we are talking about Elon <laughs> Musk because the freaking entire world. Nabonita, feel free to come up. Um, Center right, yeah. And Suzanne's already dressed in her white and uh, on stage. Oh, it's for us to put our bridles. Oh, <laughs> our wedding. Well, I just had to because Dr. it's a, it's a beautiful <laughs> picture. It is. It's beautiful. Yes, well, actually, it has two clubhouse arts on it. Um, I'm in the white, but Jennifer Sanders, for those of you that know her, is on the left. She had red hair at that time. Oh. And yes, ah. it was almost 25 years ago. Wow. It's really nice. More impressive. I'm still married to the same guy. Can you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> How's that surprising? No. It's good. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. Well, Elon Musk had four, so. Did he have four marriages? Oh, I think uh, Francine's back to Elon. We could pipe in Elon if you want. Halloween party, but um, uh, we started, I think, our annual Halloween party in 2005. And if you look at my album as you go through, 
um, the different couples, more than 50% of them are no longer married to each other. A lot of them are remarried. Um, and so if you look at my, the last album I made was from 2018. Yeah, 2018. Um, you'll see the same people, but they're with different partners. Okay, so it's like a giant square dance. All right, I'm, <laughs> I, I am going to set the room because um, I, I always... I change my PTR now. Oh, goody, Guta. Oh, wow, look at that. All right, so here's the deal. This is the weekly meeting of Karma Club brought to you by the Karma Coin you can help by getting on rally.io and purchasing some karma coin. But if you, it, because what it does is help me support other artists. And I feel like I'm an artist only in a very um, roundabout way. Uh, yes, I do write. I write a substack called Living the Dream. Um, but but basically, I'm interested in supporting younger people because because um, I'm 80 and I've done a lot in my life. And one of the things that I did in my life, and, uh, and I, I wish all of you would share the room because this is something people really need to at least think about and discuss. I've been married five times. And the reason I've been married five times is not because I'm such a fan of marriage, but because back in the day when I was young, what you did as a woman when you got finished with school, whatever level that was, was that you got married. And that was your basic goal. And a lot of women didn't work and marriage was their their get out of jail free ticket they got out of jail jail being their parents house by getting married which um for many of them turned into yet another jail so i got married once my husband cheated on me um as he was in medical school and I got divorced from him. And after I got divorced from him, I began to realize that marriage was um, not necessarily forever and that you didn't necessarily have to treat it as though it was forever. I also went into business. And when I went into business, um, I got divorced again from that was the, my third husband because he was upset that I wasn't home to do the wifely duties, meaning cut his hair and make his lunch and make dinner. And those types of things did not appeal to someone who was a, a mother of two and also trying to run a business. So after that, I decided, and I won't talk any more about my own marriages because I want to hear about yours or about your theories about marriage, because my theory about marriage is that it is an outmoded institution that doesn't, doesn't really add anything to uh, a woman's life or a man's life, for that matter, it requires a humongous amount of effort 
and um, and is as I said out of date and from a time when women couldn't be financially self-sufficient. Um, something is changing on the subject of marriage. I could be totally wrong, but I know that something is changing because my friend Roz, who's always in the audience but doesn't want to come up, um, but who used to be a sex therapist and knows a lot, an awful lot, about marriage and sex, pointed me to a recent article in The New Yorker um, about the fact that 25% less than more than 25% of people um, in the United States have not had sex in more than a year. And many people are not having sex at all. And I don't know if that's COVID or marriage or whatever, but there's some, some definite changes in our interests. And by the way, it's not elderly people who have quit having sex. Actually, the elderly people, many of whom are married and have been married to the same partner for, you know, 50 years or whatever, they are at least saying they're still having sex. It's the young people who are swearing off sex, ex, ex, you know, abstaining from sex, uh, becoming groipers, becoming um, incels, whatever you'd like to say. Okay, so here we go. Um, who would like to who would like to take on this topic first? Suzanne and Suzanne has been <laughs> w wildly pressing her wedding dress and getting back into it so she can discuss this with me. So go ahead, yeah. Suzanne. So. So, Dr. By the way, to everybody, um, Dr. Francine and I did have a little interchange earlier this morning. I believe it was in Tech News, um, right where it belonged in Tech News. Right? Tech News, yeah. So, um, and so my read on it, and and like I said, I've I've been together with my husband for almost twenty eight years, and I met my husband because he walked by me in a bar, and I said hello. Uh, we've been together ever since. Um, as I wrote to Dr. Francine, we've had what I call up, downs and all arounds of years, days, months, minutes. Um, it just all depends on who's feeling what and how and when. Um, and we're almost married 25 years. Um, I'm not going to talk about sex life because that makes me blush. I will tell you that I came from um, a family where my mother got married at 19 um, and to my father, and they remained married until the day they died. Um, and so you got I... married to have sex. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> Susan. And you don't have to answer so that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, I, I did not get married to have sex. But thank you for um, thinking I'm such a you know clean person, um, uh, or innocent person, I should say. I got married when I was 33. Um, I was a serial, longtime boyfriend person. I went from boyfriend to boyfriend, um, and I had career and, and goals, right? So uh, marriage did not fit into my picture. I, in my grand scheme of things, I had myself married at 30 and uh, my first child at 35. At 30 was probably the only time that I found myself single. Um, my boyfriend of five years broke up with me because he didn't want to commit um, to marriage, 
And um, so I said, hasta la vista. And then I met my husband. I was going to date for a year and I ended up meeting my husband eight months later. Um, once again, by me saying hello to him in a bar. Um, and I had my first child at 36, not 35, and my second at 38. Um, all of this to be, honestly, um, when I turned 35 and we started to you know, try to have kids, I had miscarriage after miscarriage. And I was told by my doctor that I would probably never have a child because of stress. And my position at work was too high powered. And I was obviously more interested in putting work first and not family. Um, and so when I honestly, when I, you know, those, those male doctors really get to you because this wasn't a male doctor, Dr. Francine, this was a female doctor who had two kids of her own. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause my uh, doctor told me (laughs) the way I had my first child is that when I got pregnant, um, out of wedlock, um, he said to me, you know, your biological clock is ticking. I also was 30, by the way. And he said, your biological clock is ticking. If you ever want children, you better have them right now. And, you know, so Samantha is 50. Yeah, I am 30. Yeah, Yeah, right. So what happened to me was, honestly, um, I decided I wanted to put family first. Um, And so I ended up giving up a very lucrative big high powered executive job to stay home with kids. Um, and I did it willingly because I wanted to put family first. Um, but then when both kids were in school, um, so I, I stopped working when I found out I was pregnant with my second child. Cause I thought, Oh, I can't go through two more miscarriages before I have a child early. Cause my son was six and a half weeks early due to stress. And just to give everybody like a heads up, um, of what somebody that has a wackadoodle brain. Um, I had my baby on a Friday. I called in sick to work and I left my baby in NICU and went into work on Monday. Um, so there's something wrong with that picture. At least it was my opinion, right? Um, so I chose to give up a career. Um, getting back into the workplace, now I just want to be a worker bee. And it's very interesting to see how um, people above me, primarily women above me, think that I'm lying when I say to them, I don't want your job. I have no intent to get your job. Um, and it's just a very interesting situation. So in any event, I'm one and done with marriage. If I get divorced from my husband, I love I love him and I hope we don't get divorced. But if we do, I'm never getting married again. So this is where Dr. Francine and I differ because I won't do marriage number two, three, four. I don't think it's necessary. I would like to have a companion perhaps, but I don't necessarily, I mean, I would think it would be a man, but um, who, who even knows? Like men are from Mars. So I'm Suzanne and I'm done sharing. Oh, Suzanne, that was wonderful. Um, because Micah's up here and he's a guy, I would like him to be next. Hey, um, yes, I, I am the, the only male on stage. Um, oh, actually, Heyman was a male. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, so- was? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I said last time I checked. My apologies. Um, I just joined the room, so my, my apologies. The, um, oh, we're kidding you, Michael. Yeah. Okay, well, I will, I'll just say a quick piece, and if you want, I'm, I'm always down to just have conversations, so I really appreciate the room. 
for me personally, you know, I'm 25, about to be 26 here in a month. And I have stayed celibate um, for religious purposes. Um, I was raised in a very religious household. My father was is a pastor. And I grew up around that lifestyle. And there was a time when I went to graduate school where I thought to myself, you know, maybe why, why am I still celibate? All my friends around me have had sex, um, various other um, people who are out there, um, you know, do different things. And, and I'm just sitting here and I'm still committed to this, this promise I made with, with my God. And, you know, there was a time where it stressed me out, but then I really come to terms with it. And so I feel like I'm a really rare instance in regards to the way society has curtailed the, this, uh, I guess, this view on relationships, marriage, sex, and various other topics, right, that are around the aspect of, of love or, or not. I mean, there, you can, there's various different forms, obviously. But the aspect of what I'm discussing is, is that, you know, I feel like it's rare to, to talk to someone else who's celibate. I've only met maybe like one other person recently that, that is still celibate. I'm at my age. And um, it is difficult at times, but there is times where I, um, I am proud of it and, and, I, and I'm okay with saying that I am celibate. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying it. And, um, but yeah, I, it's just an interesting thing the way current society is, is morphed because, you know, as a historian, I examined um, uh, a Roman history for a little bit and I examined the aspect of how marriage was done back then. And a lot of the way we do marriage, well, up until this point where recently, I think there is a changing in the way we've focused on marriage and relationships ever since, I believe, the, I would say since the second feminist movement um, after women's suffrage in, the, you know, the 1910s and the 20s, we really, I think we see a change in the way um, relationships are formed in the, after the second feminist movement within, within America. But before that, we really followed this like Romans type of, of law or like, ideal where you have the consortium, you have this, you know, matrimony. I mean, that's where we get matrimony from is, is from the aspect of mater in, in Latin, mother. And so, you know, it was supposed to be on producing citizens. You get married to produce citizens. You do it in a way that is, um, and you hope that it, it is in a way that is love, but it's, it's supposed to be with one wife. That's what the Romans kind of did. So it's an interesting way, like how Christian um, writings adopted that. And I think it was already based in a lot of the Jewish faith as well. But it's just something that I, I, I find interesting historically that we've kind of continued that process until recently in historical terms. So, you know, Micah, first of all, thank you for that. That was amazing. And second, it underscores you took it down, Heyman, but the, the article that Roz sent me that that basically is titled, How Did We All Get So Lonely? And it talks about how the people who aren't having sex is, um, is the, are the younger people like you, Micah. And so maybe you're not as singular as you think. Maybe there are more of you, you know, maybe society is turning in your direction. I, you know, I kind of think it might be. It'll be interesting because, you know, historically speaking, people stayed, though they may have claimed it, right? Because for a woman to not, um, especially during the medieval period, if a woman was, um, they, they would go in, like specifically for marriages that were amongst those of the elite, there would, there would be cases in extreme forms where they would go and check if the, um, the female had, you know, already had sex in various other forms before the marriage. Though that, again, is very medieval. 
but it was always fearful for having sex before. And from the women's perspective, men in the medieval period, men would, most men would stay celibate, you would think. But again, we don't have statistics because we can't collect that data because it's, you know, so ancient. We only can gather so much of personal writings and primary sources. But it's like, you would think that most of the time, according to our understanding of society back then, men would go out and quote unquote, excuse my language, whore around with various different girls, either going to brothels or whatever. But the women... It, would, it was deemed as a negative because virginity was something that was extremely valuable to the state. And that actually happens in Bavaria. We look at the Thirty Years' War. Bavaria and the major towns that are located there, they don't want to be incurred by Protestant forces because the Catholics, they invoked this. Well, if the, if the Protestants take our city, our virginity, our, our peace is violated. And so that actually takes its toll. There's a really good book by Ulrika Strasse. If anyone wants to look it up, it's called the virginity of the state. So there's a lot of connotations where there was value to virginity for both the men, but especially the female. But that changes over time. But now it's like instead of it being a religious thing, it seems like it's going more just like people don't want to do it, but not for religious reasons. It seems like for me, it's it's the religious. Right. But it, it could be people are just joining me in the non-religious sect, which is really interesting. Yeah, I, I think so. I think basically it is non-religious i think it's uh, philosophical i'm not sure nabonita do you have a theory no nabonita does not have a theory yeah hi <laughs> sorry sorry I, I pressed the wrong button but yeah i always press the wrong button but the point is that i don't understand uh the whole concept of marriage i've been through it I don't understand the whole concept of marriage. It's just, again, okay, I sound pretty atrocious right now. It's just putting women into a box. Totally when what men... I said this morning. Totally what I said. Go ahead. Yes. I am sorry. A woman has to be, ma you know, marriage always implies on the woman. How is it that men can go around mess around anywhere they want to, they're still married men. The moment the woman does it, oh my God. The, you patriarchy know, lives. You know, I was thinking about Micah's saying about, about women and virginity. I was thinking where I'd gone to museums in Europe where they actually displayed chastity belts from the Middle Ages that went on women and they were like metal, you know, like metal um, corsets that, that, that sort of <laughs> tied around the, I guess not with metal, you don't tie it, you screw it or something, yeah. but you know, the metal and they fastened it around the bottom and you couldn't get them off. And the goal was protecting women's virginity. Yeah, a man sleeps around with his staff. It's fine. A woman sleeps around. You know, guess what? She's trying to climb up. She's using sex. Oh, what? I mean, if she is, <laughs> I have never done it. I don't know. I don't understand it. But you know what? If she's doing it, good for her. Because you know what? Men are doing it all the time. And so I'm sorry to say this, that you know, this marriage, whole concept of marriage, as I think, uh, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Richard Branson 
Winton got married when his his partner was pregnant, and because they get had to give their son a name. I think today we've moved on much further beyond that. That you know what this is a very messed up patriarchal thinking, and I simply cannot agree to it. And I it just makes me get so angry when people talk about these things. It's always a woman, and I am sorry, it isn't. You men get away with anything, and you say that a woman, oh my God, if she's done something, oh God, that's terrible. No, okay. Here it comes, Navanita. You will love this. I have used sex in business as a tool to get my way. I have been married five times. I have explored marriage from the inside and out. And I believe marriage is outdated and outmoded. And as you pointed out, puts a woman in a box. And I have these two friends that I walk my dogs with every morning. And they're both kind of my age. And they've both been married 50, approximately 50 years. And they are like, no, you know, how can you say that? I'm, you know, I just get along so well with so-and-so. And my and my answer to that is, you really don't know. You got married before you became an adult. You didn't even know who you were, and you've never fight, faced life in any other way. So maybe you're not the right person to judge. But this type of stuff always makes people mad. So, Gouda. Yeah, and you- I, you know, I have to tell you something. I was once traveling from London to Manchester with somebody from the foreign office, very senior. And she turned around and told me, uh, she was asking me, you know, because we were sitting on the same train. So she asked me, oh, what are you doing? I mean, you know, you married. And I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm divorced, single. And she said, I cannot understand an attractive woman like you being single. And I said, oh, well, it happens. I mean, that was my reaction. And she said, it's very bizarre. I said, what is very <laughs> bizarre? She says, you know. I am happily married, but the more I see women who are very smart and any man would want to be with her, I always find people like you are single. And I said, so what, does it say something bad about, I mean, I was like confused. I said, does it say something bad about, I mean, what are you trying to tell me? I said, because I will not compromise. I will not compromise. And that's, that's the problem. If you take it as a problem, then that's the problem. But that is what I'm saying. And this lady, who's a senior foreign office person, turns around and tells me, a plain Jane like me has a very happy married life and a smart woman like you, I cannot imagine. I said, that's that says it all. I mean, that was the answer I had for anything. Because you don't want to take on an intelligent uh, you know, uh, aggressive. I'm not saying aggressive in a bad way, but intellectually aggressive woman. Then that's your problem, and that's been the problem I've seen. It's a personal experience, right? Goethe, you're married. 
Yes, still. And what, what do you have to say? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the whole thing is, I never really wanted to get married. And I end up getting married, as you guys can see in the PTR. And I got married because of uh, my husband's career that we at those days you needed visa health insurance things like that because he he traveled around the world and also because my mother is very religious and she was desperate that I just wanted to live together in fact I didn't even wanted to live together I always wanted to do the Simone de Beauvoir and the Sartre situation because I find it that it's quite claustrophobic to be with somebody 24-7. So, <laughs> but... Uh -huh, it, and that's where, what the honest people admit. <laughs> no, ahead. yeah. I mean, like, you know, we are 30 years together. I think we did survive those 30 years exactly because we didn't have that uh, traditional format of marriage and uh, when came the lockdown it was the first year that we spent together the whole year in the same house and we nearly killed each other so when he <laughs> left to his project in Holland I was kicking him out of the house already uh, but there were issues before that as well and it was a matter of time for us to make the decisions that we have to make. And that's where we are now. But uh, the whole thing is, I had one good thing. It's I'm, I had a grandfather who understood me very well and helped me to break with a lot of uh, taboos and, uh, and certain behaviors that were expected for young women in Brazil at the time. So I was in my generation and my group. I was the first one who had my own car, my credit card, my checkbook, my own place to live. Right. I worked. I went to college on the contrary of my mother screaming all the time. She's never going to have a husband. She's reading too much. My mother said that, too. And perhaps that's why I got married five times. I had to prove her wrong. Well, I have to run after that wasted time, Dr. Francine, because I <laughs> <laughs> was one. And uh, so, and I actually never, because I, I, I always were different and I always like and enjoy being different. I know there is a cost in being different, but I think it's well worth it to pay. And, uh, but the problem was my family. Every time I thought something different, boarding school. Every <laughs> time. And, uh, and then the last time. Time, you're, you're so funny. If you're no, different, you, it's you get true, Dr. Francine. And the last time I remember I was like 16 to 17. And I wanted to go to Nicaragua to help the Sandinistas in the coffee fields. But uh, I didn't know he was going to become this despot, right? But I always right. wanted to, to fight for social justice in Latin America. Then 
they sent me to boarding school. And then when I was in college, I was the president of the student the, the uh, union in the college. And, and then we had a guy from the Sendero Luminoso try to teaching us to do cocktail molotovs to, 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 to help with uh, the cultural opening, the opening from the military government in Brazil, right? So I had all these kind of things, but every time I was cut. And then I wanted to do journalism, and I went to do journalism, but I wanted to be a war correspondent. And to be a war correspondent, you have to do some kind of physical and uh, survival course in the army. And of course, in 24 hours, I was sent home and clearly knowing that it was my father and that interfered with that. So once more, back to boarding school, establishment <laughs> and patriarchat changing my life. And then I was engaged to get married with the typical guy, family, friends, blah, 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 blah. And two weeks before the wedding, I spoke with my grandfather and he said what I wanted. I said, I want to go to New York. And he said, fine, you go talk with the guy, tell your parents, pack your bag, you're on the first plane to New York. So I did that. I finished with the guy. And he, uh, he saved your life. Your grandfather. Oh, well, yes, he did. He did. He definitely did. And, uh, and, um, and I, I was on a plane to New York and it was amazing. And, you know, and that's, part of who I am now. The only advice he told me to do is always never to to feel guilty for the things I did. Always to right. own it. And exactly. And he, and he said, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to choose to make mistakes. Own it. But at you least, know? Guta, and then I, I want to go back to Andrea. Uh, and I see Micah on my also, but um, I, I, I only want to say that from what I'm hearing of these discussions, as soon as a woman gets married, her self-development stops. Exactly. And, yeah, That's so, where I was going to get. So yeah. when I met my husband, I was already working as a journalist for 12 years, right? And also in PR. So you had more, you had more experience I had a, as a self. Yeah, he was starting yeah. as a VP in banking and yeah. I was 12 years already. I had my column. I was correspondent for magazines. I, 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 I was representing the Brazilian government internationally in Spain, right? A lot of things like this. And I met him. And on the contrary of Suzanne, I have no shame in talk about sex. On the contrary, I think we should talk about sex, guys, because if we don't talk and exchange with each other, we think okay. we are dead. We are not. Next, next week, sex. This week, yes. marriage. Next week, sex in the perfect opposite order. Andrea. Exactly. And so, <laughs> so to finish, uh, oh. 
I I then uh, got married and suddenly was like babies at home and things like that. And then I didn't have a profession. And then by default, I end up falling into design. And, you know, right. but, uh, but basically any time that I had the opportunity to become independent, to really bring my company to another level, Oh no, we don't need that. You better do this because you have to be available. There are functions that you have to be there, you know, and you don't need you, what you make in your projects is all yours. Like basically my career, my second career was treated as a hobby. Right. And undermined. And it's like, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you follow? Have you learned? And uh, okay, let me explain that to you. Imagine you walking in in a shop, and you're looking at a white handbag and a black handbag, and then the difference. Serious? I don't want this anymore. <laughs> I don't want this anymore. And I already told him I'm done with that. Men oh. spell, you know, gaslight. None of that with me anymore. Mansplaining and, and gaslighting. Exactly. Yes, and all this stuff. I'm really done and I don't want, and that's it. And I'm full of projects, really capable. Yes, I know it's not going to be easy because you know how those guys are. I oh, thought, I see. Oh, well, when, I thought I'm yeah, gonna I thought, have, I, I, I thought I he to would let... be a little French. Right, and we could be friends and all that, but no. If I walk, that's it. Not talking right, ever was, again. Is, if you walk, this is a safe space for you. But I want to hear what Andrea and Jake have to say because all of us up on the stage now come from such different backgrounds. This is so cool, <laughs> Andrea. Hey, Dr. Francine Gutov, absolutely fascinating. Um, May, um, it, so am I supposed to answer the question? That You're not supposed to do anything. Lovely. Um, <laughs> so for, this, is, this for me is a, um, uh, I think that this is, it's a very personal question. And I think it depends, uh, people's experience in marriage is not only personal, but it's also, you know, based, it's different in different cultural contexts. Um, having lived around the world um, and been in a multiracial, cross-cultural uh, marriage, in fact, um, I, I I can say that. Um, but this is a very interesting question because I wonder, when I think about what to tell my daughter, I wonder what I would say. Um, I would say that I definitely was happy being married, especially when I had a child that I was raising and when that kid at times needed uh, sacrifices from one or the other of us, um, it was good to have a partner that couldn't, that didn't just walk away, you know, at the blink of an eye, you know, when we were, while we were raising her. Um, so uh I think that if it, it, it's... Uh, so you needed a second set of hands. 
No, I mean, the thing is, is I, uh, I married someone that I was very uh, good friends with, you know, very intellectually compatible, passionate, like always talking and kind of like a clubhouse room. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, so What's I, wrong with that? <laughs> not, I mean, I don't know, we could break that one down. I'm sure that's a first for clubhouse. Um, I wanted a partner for me. I looked at it as a partner in life, as long as we could continue that mutual respect for each other and continue growing and supporting each other where we, but not, you know, someone who was attached at the hip, you know, I very ambitious and wanted my own life and had my own interests. Um, I feel where that was compromised was when we had, if we're having a child and at some point someone stays home, who's it going to be based on who earned more? Uh, For me, that's where the divergence set in. Um, and and so those are just a few of my initial thoughts. Uh, I think my marriages for sure work uh, and you need to, uh, you, I think you get out of it what you put into it. Um, it's not a fairy tale. Uh, and um, they do, there is evidence that says we're all better as humans when we're connected, uh, but you don't necessarily have to be connected by marriage. And I for sure, putting on my global hat, can tell you that marriage is uh, not necessarily a great contract for for many women around the world who don't enter it uh, by choice or or willfully or in love or any other way. So. Oh, look at everybody! Look at everybody applauding you. Um, I I want to hear from Jake next, and then I know Micah wants to say something else. So, Jake. Good morning, everybody from California, where I'm not quite caffeinated. So I'm going to try and be contained. I think it's just entirely echoing the last thing Andrea said about the way the institution is absolutely part of ugly and disgusting things and systems of misogyny and patriarchy and all the rest. Uh, I, I think slash hope slash want there to be a viable way for the institution of marriage to be broken off from that, separated from that, rescued from that. Because from my perspective as, as somebody who is incredibly grateful that my parents were married and stayed married and were raised me together for the, uh, uh, 40 odd years. And also someone who's incredibly grateful and happy that my own marriage ended in divorce before my partner went on to have a kid because I would not want to be raising a kid with my ex partner. Uh, and nor, nor would my ex partner want to be raising a kid with me, which is part yeah. of why. Yeah. Okay. So it's when it is. Uh, but I think I, I, so for anyone who has not been around people raising kids, babies are monsters and really, really monstrous. And every parent at some point has said, everyone raising a, a baby has at one point actually considered really like standing on the edge of a cliff. <laughs> just. Hucking the thing <laughs> against the wall to end the crime, or just and, a window, and and, in, right. yeah, and and engaging in that kind of endeavor is something that is vastly, vastly easier when it is done with two people or three people or four people who are in a serious, committed, we're in it to win it long term thing, and that kind of in it to win it long term thing, I think, works best when it is ritualized through a, a some kind of big ritual that's not just 
partner and partner making a contract with each other, but actually two partners or three partners or four partners or more, but making a contract with Whoa. everyone else. So I it's like me. the more part. I heard of polyamory, but I never heard of it's, five. Well, I'm 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 an anarchist by way of Robert Heinlein's Moon is a Harsh Mistress, which has a whole lot of focus on line marriages, which is a whole other thing. Oh, but that's yes. a, well, my, okay. my my point is just that 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 marriage as the people getting married on one side of the contract and their community on the other saying like the community saying like we realize like you are acting as a unit now we're accepting you as a unit we're going to support you as a unit the the two of you or etc of you are are like or the the, the etc of us on the inside of the marriage are saying like we are going to be like we're a unit together ourselves and we're asking all of you to support us as a unit handle us as a unit and we will be there for you as a unit that kind of contract compact i think is incredibly powerful and institutionally dangerous for all the the structural ways that andrea was pointing to that's me dr francine okay. i just want to say that african women have this sorted out in many ways um it takes a village and they do often raise their kids by a village and if you ask me would i take my husband versus my five best girlfriends and my sisters make that 10 or just one of my moms and i may have to <laughs> say that i would Trade him out. <laughs> I would definitely say. trade mine out. I'm just going to go on record. I would definitely trade mine out. I, I love him, by the way. He's working upstairs. I love you, honey. But you know what? I I, I agree with your village thing. Um. All right. Where? Where's Micah? It's your turn again, Micah. Fantastic. I will be probably the one dissenting viewpoint here and i'm going no i love you don't don't worry about (laughs) i i I will dissent um in regards to um what jake said in regards to some of what the room has been stating but uh, i'll I'll extrapolate my point and then obviously i'm sure people can can pop my bubble once in a while too so I, i appreciate the conversation overall this has been great um first of all i think what we need to look at firstly is the relations currently between men and women in in a modern, and I'm taking it from a modern American standpoint, right? I'm not trying to take it from a Latin American or African or various other standpoints. I'm talking about what's happening in America right now in this regard. Recently, there was a poll that was done by the Pew Research and they did one that was in 2018 and then to 2022. And they found that men in college in 2018 were voting Democrat plus 16% of the time, like plus 16. Men, no degree, were plus eight, voting for Republican. For women in college, it was plus 34 for Democrat. And then for women with no degree, it was plus three for Democrat. But now they did a new poll. And there's actually a big shift in the way men and women are viewing um, political parties, which can bring a, I think, microscope on how they're also viewing society since Republicans, ideally, right, the idea is that they preserve and protect conservative principles culturally, while the progressive or the, the, the Democrats are more for changing um, certain ideas, not all of it, but in, well, in some cases, maybe all, but certain ideas in regards to how they view culture, right? That's been the historical battle that has always occurred. That so is a historical battle, Micah, but, but then there's all those Republicans who have all these affairs and get caught. Oh, I know. No, and that's why I said that's why I said the understanding is the the um is the understanding of what they're supposed to hold up to, right? The that's the ideal. Right, what they're the supposed ideal. to. 
Right, right, right. Know, so I'm, I'm going after the ideal here. I'm not saying the, the, okay. the of course, of course. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to disregard that there's people within power systems that abuse their power systems and don't uphold their ideals and their moral compass. I understand that. But my point is I'm looking at the voters because the voters themselves and people who are in the society do most of the time uphold to their principles the best that they can. So I'm just going off of this and, and I'll and I'll get to this point. So now men in college, it's now Republican plus 10. It used to be Democrat plus 16. Now it's men with college degrees plus 10 with Republicans. Men with no degree are plus 20 with Republicans. Women in college now plus 38. They used to be plus 34 for Dems. Now they're plus 38. And women with no degree is now Democrat plus one. It used to be Democrat plus three. It's gone down. Now it's increased. So we clearly see a shift in the way the genders are viewing societal normalities. Again, that's just Oh, my they, God. That's fascinating. So we're seeing a completely shift in, in the way majority people, specifically based on gender, right, how, how they're viewing things. Additionally, I'll, and I'll land my plane here in a sec. I don't want to ramble. I, I hate rambling. Um, we have to look at also when marriage was created. It was, it, was, it was specifically a religious institution that had some connections to the state. Not full, but some connections to the state. And people also had a low life expectancy. People usually died. The life expectancy during the Roman Empire was 33 years due to infant mortality. Most people died when they were 50. So most of the time, people were getting married during the Roman period around 23 to 26 to 27. Now, people could get married when they were 12 and 15. That was legal at the time because, again, different era, different times. But people were dying at the age of 50. And so marriage was actually a short contract if you're viewing it in that way. I view it in a more religious way. But if you're viewing it in a contractual way, it's more of, oh, probably marriage for 15 to 20 years or so. Right. That, that's kind of how it was. And then the last thing I'll say, and I'll land my plane, is I actually think that marriage is something that should be continued. I think it's a bedrock towards society. I think it's beneficial. And one of the people I'll quote is um, someone who is named Bradford Wilcox. He is a sociology professor from Virginia. He's a senior fellow at the Institute for Family Studies. One of the things he, he spoke at Congress um, a couple years ago about the importance of marriage and when in regards to the, the, the social commune and relationships and the and government. He said that relational ties and community assets forged through marriage result in more positive outcomes for society than negative. And additionally, the aspect on the social education for children, teaching them civic virtues of honesty, loyalty, trust, and self-sacrifice have been higher in married couples than in married. And I'm not saying that I'm not pinpricking. I'm not saying people who are not married can't do it. I'm just saying if you're looking at statistics, what he is saying, that you'll see higher civic virtues, honesty, loyalty, trust, self-sacrifice, and personal responsibility in married families for children than non-married families. And the last thing I'll say, and I'll land, is that as of 2004, <laughs> I know I keep saying I land and I don't, but 2004, all 68%, um, they, they found that basically marriage is actually one of the greatest wealth generating institutions. Um, and this was according to Whitehead and Papano. Um, they said that economic specialization can actually increase for marriages and, and families, better economic outcomes. And that's it. I'll land my plan. Thank you for letting me ramble. I apologize. Well, better. Micah, I love hearing from you because you are Gen Z which means you are the future. And it's really interesting for, for me, who represent the past, being as how I went through the, what you refer to as the second feminist revolution, 
um, thinking that the first one was suffrage. I didn't realize that suffrage was a feminist revolution. I thought it was just a fight for suffrage, but never mind. We did get the vote, and that really, <laughs> that really mattered. I'm going to bring up one more person to the stage, Shruti. If you can't, yeah, there you are. Okay, perfect. Um, to hear from you because I, I think you're probably going to have a. Um, a different cultural point of view, and that would be great to hear, whatever it is. I, you know, I, I'm not, um, I don't care what it is. If, if it's different and interesting, I'm here for it. Shruti? Hi, I, uh, I got confused if you're calling uh, out for me or not. Um, hi, um, I'm Shruti, I'm a costume designer. Um, and I've been listening to your ladies and uh, I guess I was kind of provoked by uh, the last words which <laughs> Micah just happened to uh, say. Um, so if I were to talk about my personal situation, yes, I've been married. I've been married for 10 years. Um, I'm a millennial woman and um, I realized uh, and I can empathize with a, a lot of ladies when they spoke that, you know, when your careers are looked at as hobbies and, um, you know, even if they are serious to you and the way uh, you and you may be doing really well, but eventually they are looked out uh, looked at as uh, hobbies and i feel that uh, you know like the traditional gender gender roles which were in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s they can't apply anymore because it is uh, you know the, the more women are educated uh, you know not everybody needs to wants to have children and you know and still uh, being delegated to those kind of gender roles not having pay parity etc is is still signs of and I'll introduce the word here, and which all of you all have mentioned, patriarchy. So um, what I wanted to uh, counter, actually, what uh, Micah just said, I'm, I mean, like, it's an opinion, of course, and, you know, he may be pro-marriage. Uh, but, you know, when uh, it's, it's uh, very recent that I've been separated and uh, at the time when I made the decision to separate, it was, of course, very difficult because, you know, a decade-long relationship, you know, you decide to end it. Um, there was one very interesting uh, snippet that I came across I was reading, and it said it, it was also some research, and I don't uh, have the source, etc., but these were the words, and I can't verify if this is actually true or not. But it said that uh, apparently um, single men do very badly um, alone. Um, men with other men, uh, few will do well, few will not do well. They actually don't do well at all. Single women, on the other hand, do really well alone. Uh, women... Uh, in uh, women when partnered do very badly for themselves but men when they are partnered with women they do really well for themselves 
the moment i read that i realized that this whole institution is basically um just to benefit men um, just to keep men and, going <laughs> sorry i said it's just to keep men going exactly so when when, when mica just uh, rattled off the statistics about you know how the betterment of society so on and so forth at what cost why can't societies function in partnerships you know why us you know the the whole why do relationships need sanctions of governments you know in order to thrive or to function you can have a relationship without anybody's um, you know stamp on it um you know, uh, i don't know about the other countries but um, in india um uh, for my passport i my name is not on my uh, excess passport but uh, his name does come on to my passport and every single document which is legal uh it has to have either my father's name or my husband's name is there no identity of my own is there uh, like what am i here for am i supposed to be just be recognized by uh, my uh, father's achievements or my um, husband's ex husband's achievements um, while i myself am somebody uh, you know uh to be recognized for my own talents and for my own hard work so why how is it that the state gets to decide my future and the loopholes and like and and these are things which you don't realize when you decide to get married these are things which you actually realize when you decide to separate because you realize that oh my god <laughs> the legal right. system is also made for men by men for the benefit of men that's why uh, in india uh, cheating uh, is uh, no longer criminal it was decriminalized oh. in 2016 or 17 and i'm like <laughs> wow you know <laughs> because pretty- earlier the men would have to pay alimony uh, to women you know if they uh, or or they could uh, separate on the basis so it's just it's bizarre that uh, the whole uh, betterment of society is supposed to hinge on what marriages really like that is our uh, human society and fabric so frail that this one institution is necessary for its functioning what happened uh, for early man within they didn't know and they didn't realize that you know you need you can get married i mean like it's it's such a societal construct this idea i wonder who is the first person because you know i don't know like i understand that you know we women um you know you you built in a certain way maybe you, you know child raising was everybody has their uh, role to play in the society Right. I'm going to do I'm going to have to be branded you know I'm going to do a little research Shruti for next week <laughs> I I like to close my rooms at uh, on the hour and I want to hear Rick is wearing his wedding dress so I I want to hear what he has to say about marriage and then um we'll wind it up Rick 
Well, this has been a really interesting conversation. Uh, neither my wife or I got married till we, we got married for the first time in our late 40s. And we've been married 18 years now. And um, we get along great. You know, uh, it's it's been really good. I don't think if I had gotten married uh, younger, it would have been good for either myself or for that person. Um, but one thing I have discovered, and and Shruti had it completely right, is the whole financial system and legal system is really patriarchal, and it's it's right. horribly designed um, for that. You know, for instance, you know, credit cards, bank accounts, um, you know, things like that. Uh, I'm it's, well it, aware. It's just. Yeah, it's ridiculous that that my wife can't call the credit card company if I gave her a credit card. Even if I uh, uh, say, okay, she's the co-signer, she should be able to be a co-account holder. And uh, they don't let us really do that. Um, you know, it, it should be completely separate. It, uh, it just makes no sense to me. Um, yep. But, uh, you know, yeah, attack, the tax code, all of that stuff is is just crazily patriarchal. And, yep. uh, yeah, it, it, it makes no sense to me. I but, um, every day of my life. But it definitely uh, there's good things about it. Um, but whether it whether it's abs- necessary uh, no, I don't think it's it's necessary. Um, you know, com- two people can com- commit to each other if they so choose, or you know, they can commit to having an open relationship if they so choose. Exactly. Um, yeah, um, but we are very happy. Um, we don't have any kids, and neither of us really wanted kids, and so. You know, for us, it's a little bit different situation than people that choose to have kids, which is right, a whole other level. Jake, yes, Jake Jake put it right about having kids. And how, yeah, that's a whole other le- level of commitment. Right. Exactly. Um, let me get Rachel to, to say a few words. Rachel? Hey, Francine, thank you so much for pulling me on stage. I super appreciate it. Um I hate to interrupt. This is not on topic at all. If you could check your direct message, I need to speak with you as soon as possible. Oh, okay. I will do that. Um, but, but I'm about to close out the room and to tell you that um, next week's discussion will be about why we're no longer having sex. And if you want to do some advanced reading for it, you might want to. Um, read why is everybody so why is everybody no that's the wrong article Heyman why how did we sorry (laughs) how did we all get so lonely all right I will put that and this okay and this has been the conversation yeah. Is, is there any chance that you could put up a sign up for people who want to, you know, find study partners for the homework? 
idea. Well, we have to have some prenuptial karma club agreements in place, though, first. Wait a minute. For a hot time, call Jake. All right. Um, this is Karma Club brought to you by Karma Coin. It is a conversation about serious topics with intelligent people. And I love all of you. And I thank you for coming. And I hope to see you all next week. And Rachel, I'm going to check my DMs. Thank you, everybody. Take care, all. And thank, thank you. you for joining us also from the call inside. Please join Thanks, in Doctor. Take care.